This is episode number 20 with Development Director of the Philadelphia Orchard Project, Kim Jordan. Welcome to the We Love Philly podcast. My name is Carlos Aponte, a Philadelphia school teacher whose mission is to promote volunteerism throughout the city of Philadelphia and help put the brotherly love back into the city of brotherly love. Each week, my students and I bring you a person or organization that is making Philly a better place. Thanks for spending some time with us, and let's dive in. Liberty Hyde Bailey once said, A garden requires patience, labor, and attention. Plants do not grow merely to satisfy ambitions or to fulfill good intentions. They thrive because someone expended effort on them. Alfred Austin once said, The glory of gardening hands in the dirt, head in the sun, heart with nature. To nurture a garden is to feed not just the body, but the soul. We are bringing you a lot of soul food with Kim Jordan, the development director of the Philadelphia Orchard Project. In this episode, we talk about their dream of a Philadelphia where free fruit is available to all. We also talk about how orchards have brought Philadelphians together. And we talk about how to take charge and start a community orchard in your own neighborhood. If you want to learn more about the Philadelphia Orchards Project, you can reach out to them on their website, phillyorchards.org. They're also on Instagram at Philly Orchards and are on Facebook at Philadelphia Orchard Project. If you want to stay up to date with what is going on at We Love Philly, you can check us out on our new website, welovephilly.org. We're also on Instagram at We Love Philly, on Facebook at We Love.Philadelphia. We would appreciate it if you shared the show with your friends or if you know anyone that wants to be featured on the show or if you know anyone who needs volunteers, please don't hesitate to reach out to us by email. We Love LP Academy at gmail.com. Stick around for the end of the show where we have a new segment called Just My Thoughts where we tie in an educational philosophy based on the episode you just heard. And here we go with Kim Jordan. Project. How are you, Kim? Doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm super grateful. I'm, I think, sitting in a 250-year-old mansion, it seems like. Uh, yeah, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> so excuse us for the echo for this episode, but we are in a historic mansion. Yeah, we're at the Woodlands, which is an historic cemetery in West Philadelphia at 4000 Woodland Ave, just off of the 40th Street trolley portal. Very easy to find, and it's a beautiful, magical space that you should come visit and discover. Absolutely. I've, I've ridden my bicycle by here almost every day going to school in Southwest Philly. And I've ridden by the cemetery, but I never went inside. And it is absolutely beautiful. I've seen at least a dozen different types of flowers just riding around the bend. It's beautiful. So I want to do a thought experiment, if you don't mind, Kim. So Let's do it. Everyone listening, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine a Philadelphia where every community, regardless of location or wealth, has access to fresh, healthy fruit grown right in the neighborhood. So I want everyone at home to think, and I want Kim to tell me, what does she see? What what kind of Philadelphia does that look like? (laughs) Well, it sounds like a familiar uh, line to me. And that's because when you say that, I I picture one of the 64 orchards that we've currently planted 
all over the city. It means walking down a street where you may not expect to see it, but all of a sudden there's a tree with, with hundreds of cherries on it, or there's a vine of grapes that you didn't re- think was going to be there, or there was a papa, and you're not even really sure what a papa is, but you see something growing there and you kind of want to know what it is, and maybe you think you would eat it. That's so cool, especially on a hot summer day like today, if I was able to just walk down the street and grab some fruit. And it was cool. We were doing that when we volunteered a couple of weeks ago with Michael, and we were actually picking June berries. And it was cool. As we were picking June berries, we got to eat them. And then we saw people walking by who then came over to us and wanted to help us pick them. And then they wanted some June berries. Mm-hmm. And then a woman offered to make us a June berry pie. If we gave her some June berries, oh. we still have her email. So definitely didn't forget <laughs> about her. But yeah, it's really cool. I feel like it brings the community together. Yeah, it does. That's one of the things I like the most about our orchards is because they are in so many neighborhoods around Philadelphia where you might not expect to find them, that there's always that opportunity to engage with people that are walking by that are just, you know, they're going down the street to see their friend or going to the store and all of a sudden they're like, hey, what's what's on that tree? Um, can you really eat it? You know, and there's, you yeah. know, there's definitely some doubt from people and not everyone wants to eat something that is grown in the city, but there's plenty of people who are adventurous and and willing to try. I think that's the coolest thing about what you're doing is people can actually see where their food comes from. And it's funny that you say that people don't want to eat food that's grown in the city (laughs) when they don't see where their food is really being grown. But if you can have it sustainable inside of Philadelphia, I feel like it has to taste better. I mean, those June berries were delicious. They definitely are. And you know, that's, I love doing those Juneberry harvests again. It's just a really great opportunity to, to talk to people that um, you might not get the chance to otherwise, but they're just curious. They have to find out what you're doing. People don't know that an apple grows on a vine or I don't know, or yeah. a strawberry grows on a tree or I'm not really sure. People yeah. have a lot of misconceptions sometimes. So it's good to be able to, to show them this is, this is how it happens and this is what it looks like and yeah. to see it in different stages of growth and of ripening just a year-round educational opportunity. Yeah, this is how nature intended it. (laughs) So what is an orchard? So uh, an orchard in Philadelphia is going to be a little bit different from, um, you know, a commercial apple orchard or any sort of commercial enterprise where they have rows and rows and rows of the same tree. It's a different scale from what we do. We work with the spaces that our partners have. It tends to be smaller spaces, not always, but we try to do a variety of different plants. So not just fruit trees. We do fruit trees, nut trees, berry bushes, vines, perennials, um, things like pollinator gardens that help bring in beneficial insects, herbs, all sorts of things that that create this um, entire ecosystem at the place. So we, we also call them um, food forests. If you know, that's another term that people might not, might not be comfortable with, but it sort of describes the 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 full ecology that we're trying to create there. Yeah, it's a cool ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so, you know, the, a lot of the groups that we work with, they also will do raised bed gardening where they're doing annual plants. But another um, important distinction is that everything that we plant is a perennial. So it's coming back year after year. So for a fruit tree, it might take five or 10 years before it's really fully productive. But we also plant things like herbs and berries that are going to ripen much sooner. So people aren't going to have to wait that long. For their orchard to produce something, they're going to be able to harvest from it in year one and year two That's cool. from those things that that have you know that take less time to ripen. Wow! So what grows really easily in Philadelphia? What are we What are we growing? Uh, one of our favorite things to plant is uh, figs. 
Figs are really easy to grow. They don't have a lot of pests that go after them. Squirrels really like them, but squirrels really like everything. So, you know, we deal with that. I think we planted a fig tree at every single orchard that we've planted. People really like to plant things like apples, peaches, cherries, but the more common trees are more prone to have pests and disease issues. So we try to encourage people to plant things like Asian pears, persimmons, typical fruits that everyone loves, apples, peaches, plums, cherries. There's the native fruits that um, already grow around the city. And we just talked about earlier, like juneberries, pawpaws grow here. They're actually um, the largest native tropical fruit. They're a really interesting fruit. They ripen in the fall and taste like a combination of, I would say, banana and a mango. Seems so, how do you spell that? P-A-W-P-A-W. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. There's other things we plant like chokeberries, which also grow around here. Um, You can't eat them fresh off the plant, but you can um, cook with them. Birds really like those too, so. Chokeberries? Chokeberries. Sounds dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think because they're very, they're very astringent. So that's why you, you know, probably if you tried to eat it fresh off the plant, you would, you would have a funny taste in your mouth. Gotcha. So when I was on your website doing research, I saw that the Philadelphia Orchard Project started in 2007 and you had three community orchards. And now you said today that you have 64. Mm-hmm. And what's that? That's 2007. So 12 years, <laughs> you've gone up to 64. How's that journey been? Have you been here since the beginning? So yeah, I've been involved since uh, Pop was founded. So I was a volunteer since you know those first like wow. sort of organizing meetings. Thought this this just sounds like a really amazing thing, and I want to I want to be involved in it. So I, I volunteered. I served as a member of the board um, from 2009 to 2016, and then um, earlier this year I was I, I started in January as a development director. This is an organization that yeah. I really love and I know very well, and I've seen it. You know, I've seen the growth, the the intentional, the slow intentional but steady growth that has happened since 2007, and so. Of the 64 orchards, we've planted 49 of them. We also work with some other groups that we didn't originally plant those sites, like Mill Creek Farm, which is a a long-established farm in West Philadelphia, and they have fruit trees that were planted there. And so with groups like that, we will provide them sort of ongoing consulting, help with volunteer recruitment and things like that, but we might not have originally planted the site. So there's 15 of those sites that wow. we call supported sites where we didn't originally plant them. So we planted 49 sites. We worked with 64 sites. Wow. So when you started, I saw another statistic on your website. Was there really 40,000 vacant lots in Philadelphia? I did not do that research, so I can't verify it. Um, I'm sure whatever the number was when we started, there's fewer of them now given yeah. the, the construction boom and, and all of that. You know, that's definitely been an issue for some of our partners. So we try to prevent our, you know, our investment in a space from going away. But right now we, we ask that our partners have long-term access to the land. Um, they either own it or they have a long-term lease so that, you know, again, if a fruit tree takes five or 10 years to be fully productive, we don't want it bulldozed in a couple of years. And yeah. you know, that's, that's a really sad loss for the community as well. Um, but, you know, for us, we do a lot of the fundraising to actually plant all the trees for our partners. We work on a sliding scale. So some of our partners who have more of an ability to pay will be able to pay for, you know, design, plants, all of the installation, things like that. Um, But we work with people who who aren't able to pay and 
be. That's how. That's what I'm here for to help yeah. raise the money to, to pay for the service. It's so cool. <laughs> Are these orchards community owned, or do, does the community have a say? How do you how do you go about getting these vacant lots and these lands? Can anyone just go and and <laughs> make a community orchard if they want to? Sure, they they could. Uh, so the only one that we oversee, and it's not even fully planted yet. We've just done the very early planting stages is here at the Woodlands. There's about an acre of land that's behind a fence when it's off of Woodland Ave. We're going to be planting a demonstration orchard there to help with doing training and stuff like that. Right now, it's just sort of like the perimeter planting happened, Um, but our partners own and maintain all of the sites. We plant with a wide variety of partners. Um, We work with schools, churches, community organizations, neighborhood CDCs, um, housing, housing agencies, we have some orchards that are on parkland, so a wide variety of partners, and there's a whole process that partners go through if they would like to have us plant an orchard with them. So we try to see sort of what we want. We want there to be community buy-in. Um, yeah. So one of the steps is to go to your neighbors and have them sign. You know, we, I don't. We're not like checking like does this person really exist, but we ask them to get um, signatures from neighbors to say that they support it. We ask them to volunteer their own time at a couple of pop events ahead of time. So one, so they just start to understand how how we work, but also just so we know sort of what their level of um, knowledge is about how to take care of an orchard. We ask them to have a, a couple of orchard stewards that are going to be the ones that are responsible for maintaining the site because we have had issues where, you know, it's just one person at this nonprofit that really wanted to have an orchard but no one else there really cared about it. And then when they moved on, it's, it's you know, it becomes more work for us to try to help them maintain that site. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we do, it, it is something that's coming from the community. We haven't gone to any particular group or site and said, we're going to put an orchard here. Gotcha. It's the community coming to us to say, that's we would cool. like to do this. And a lot of them do, it's, it's okay to say garden. A lot of them do have gardens as well. But yeah, we're, we're not inserting ourselves into anything. Yeah. So how important is the, is the educational aspect of your job? It's pretty huge. We originally thought when POP was first founded that we would plant a new orchard, we would train the existing um, partners and the staff and whoever was going to oversee it. They would learn everything they needed to know, and then we would just move on. That turned out to be <laughs> a, a misconception. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of turnover at some of these organizations, especially in urban ag organizations. You know, there's, there's always more things to learn. In the past several years, in response to what our community partners have said, so we do a partner survey every year to get feedback from them, to know what we can focus on the next year to, to be better at what we're doing. And what we've always heard is, like, one, we want more time with POP staff on our site. Well, that's, that's difficult for us given we're still a pretty small staff. We only have three full-time staff members yeah. and three part-time and then a couple of interns. This is, it's a nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, we're a nonprofit. What we focus on instead is developing training. Um, so we have a ton of resources on our website that's different guides looking at pests or diseases for specific species, info sheets about different plants that we plant. We've developed a whole training course called Popcore. It's a four-course series to train people to become uh, an urban orchardist. But it's focusing on sort of permaculture, sort of the philosophy behind the design of how we plant and what a food forest is and, you know, building something that is working with the environment and benefiting 
the earth and benefiting the community. So sort of that design philosophy. There's one on pests and diseases. We just did a session last week because there's a lot of there's a lot of rain right now, so um, a lot of heat, and those things really help diseases become rampant. Yeah. Anyway, we'll go with there's a four series urban orchardist education course called Popcore, which we offer on a sliding scale. There's a program we have called the Orchard Liaison Program. So right now, we don't have enough orchard liaisons, so we're really trying to find people that are interested in learning how to care for an orchard space, and then they can help be one of the main people at an orchard site that helps those partners you know, keep up with maintenance to do those monthly work days that really help the site stay beautiful and help the, the trees grow be productive. So yeah, there's sort of what's um, the commitment for that? The commitment it, it ranges. So we we ask orchard liaisons, we'd like them to do our pop core training. Um, we would like them to commit to, you know, a year or two of being willing to go once a month okay. to, to help lead a work day or even quarterly work days, but monthly check-ins with the site partner because it helps us stay on top of if there is something that's going wrong. And maybe the partner doesn't have time to reach out to us, but the orchard liaison stops by and is like, oh, I noticed, you know, this pear tree looks like it has some issues with fire blight. We better come in there and do some emergency pruning or something like that. Yeah, so we have around, I think, 15 active orchard liaisons right now. We'd really like to increase that number a lot. Uh, We also have been developing just more online curricula that we would like to, we've provided, we've printed and provided some of it to our partners. We have this really cool weed ID guide that is printed and bound and it lists plants that commonly grow in this area. Some of them, you know, you can tolerate them. They might have other properties that are helpful, like, oh, this is, this is a weed. We don't plant it, but it's edible. So, you know, you might want to leave that one. This one's really bad because it'll, you know, it's a vine. It'll choke out everything that's trying to grow. So definitely take that one out right away. That's something that we've printed and, and we hand out to all of our partners to help them, you know, at their own sites. Yeah. So we have a similar one that we're hoping to do with some common commonly planted trees. Um, we have about five or six of those at this point that are common fruit tree pests and diseases and how to deal with them. That's not designed as nicely and it's in an unwieldy sort of binder, but we've been giving that out to partners as well. And then the newest resource that we just developed was um, these rainbow nutrition and recipe cards. So there's uh, 20 of them. There's 10 common fruits and 10 native fruits. And with some help from a few partners at the Penn State Master Gardeners and Casa del Carmen, we translated them all into Spanish. So one of the things our partners said in the annual partner survey is we don't always know when fruit is ripe or if it is ripe, we don't know what to do with it. So it's just a little bit more information. They're like really beautiful, very helpful things. And we're trying to raise money right now to be able to print those and distribute them to our partners as well. And then we also have school orchard program. So we have 12 different school partners we work with, grades kindergarten through 12th grade. And we developed a bunch of curriculum for teachers to use the orchards as learning spaces. That's so cool. Yeah. So I'm guessing the youth buy-in has been big or the community or neighborhood buy-in has been well received. I mean, whenever I'm in an orchard, people seem really happy to be there. (laughs) You know, there's always grumpy people that are like, ah, just (laughs) dropping fruit on my car, whatever. Um, But for the most part, these these are spaces that they're they're not just beautiful, but they're providing, you know, health benefits. They're encouraging people to get outside. They're letting people try fruit that they've never tried before. And they're helping people connect with their neighbors that they might not have talked to. So 
obviously I think they're positive and yeah, that's why I'm definitely. part of this. <laughs> so what, what was the moment since you've been here for, since the beginning, what was the moment you knew you were doing with what you were meant to be doing with POP? Yeah, I don't know if it was one specific moment, but so I moved here originally to, to go to graduate school. I was, um, I completed graduate school, but um, before I finished, I realized that I didn't want to be in a lab doing experiments I wanted to be working in communities. On top of people giving their time, their talent to the Philadelphia Orchard Project, I also saw that people can give their, their money. And a really cool thing that I saw that you do is people can actually plant a tree financially and those trees go and benefit the community in which they're mm-hmm. growing. So what is done with all of that food that people, when they donate that $60 to yeah, the yeah, what happens with that? So it's called a tree certificate. We don't actually put, there's no name that goes on a tree. There's no plaque. It's more of a metaphorical tree. Yeah, that's perfect. The amount of money that we estimate it costs to put in a new fruit tree to a neighborhood. So, you know, every spring and every fall when we're doing orchard plantings, the contributions that people do for the tree certificate. And, you know, we had a bunch that came for for Father's Day, you know, people's fathers who really love trees and their children or whoever are getting them a tree certificate to say, you know, this is in honor of you, Dad, where, you know, there's going to be a tree planted in Philadelphia. There's, you know, trees planted in memory of people. And again, they're not always people that live here. So they're, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't promise that it's going to be a specific tree that you can go look at, but just the idea that you're sort of paying it forward and you're, you're doing something positive that is going to be benefiting the, the community. Where yeah, it's exactly. Planted. I mean, if people are going to pay for stars, I feel like paying for a tree is a way better investment. <laughs> stars don't grow fruit. No, they don't grow fruit. <laughs> <laughs> what happens with all of this fruit? That is harvested. When we did the June berries, I think mm-hmm. we picked almost four pounds of berries. Where does that go? Awesome. So it depends on where the harvest is happening. We don't go to our partner orchards and say, hey, we're coming in with a group. We're going to harvest all of your peaches and then we're going to take it somewhere. Something like the Juneberry. So it's called Juneberry Joys, the campaign where you and your students volunteered, I think. And that one is part of our pop harvest program where we are finding trees that grow in this region that are commonly planted that grow edible things that people might not know about. So it's a combination of like marketing because we do partnerships with local businesses. Um, so for Juneberries, we, we worked with places like Weckerly's Ice Cream, Schmierig is a bagel shop, Flow State and Franny Lou's Porch are some coffee shops in Kensington. Yeah. They've all done different things that feature Juneberries which not all of them have even heard of before we no asked if they wanted to do this. Yeah, and then they're <laughs> donating a portion back to back to POP. That's cool. Some other parts of it went to, I don't, I think our harvest was a little lower this year. Um, I don't know if it was weather or, you know, what, what the situation was, but we have in the past also donated to emergency food cupboards. In the fall, we do big crab apple harvests. There's a ton of crab apple trees on the Penn campus, and they're happy to have us come in and take them get rid of all that fruit because they're not going to do anything with it so we've donated a lot to sunday suppers which is a family meal program in kensington they i think they made applesauce but yeah so we try to do a combination of donating it to emergency food cupboards people that harvest are also welcome to take fruit with them so again probably a lot of people that haven't tried june berries like if someone just brings you a handful of berries you're like all right i'll try that but for the fruit that grows on partner sites we've 
from our partner survey, we know that the majority of that is going back into the community. So whether they're allowing people to come in and freely pick it, whether that means they have an after-school program where they're using it, or if they have their own like neighborhood food pantry or things like that, the majority of it is staying in the community. That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes we'll have situations like, you know, some, some of them have farm stands that they do, whether they do it, the group, you know, their part, or they have a partner that does it. So we had one farm manager call up and say like, well, my farm stand doesn't start until next week, but our cherries are ripening early and they're all going to, like the birds are going to eat them all. I want to make sure we harvest some cherries. Can you help coordinate some volunteers? So we got in, I think we had 12 or 13 people show up. We picked about 50 pounds of cherries. Most of that went to Lutheran Settlement House. They do senior, senior food programs and they had a food pantry the next day. So that was a connection that I just, you know, I don't think we'd worked with them before, but they were near where the harvest was going to be. They helped get some volunteers there. It all just like worked out really great. And then I think we took like 10 pounds of them to have for a strawberry festival, which happened that weekend. So people got to have fresh cherries from a different pop orchard at Strawberry Mansion. And so it just like, it worked out really well. Yeah, it's amazing. The whole community just comes together for it. Everyone benefits. Yeah. Wow. So if you were to go back in time, and tell the teenage version of yourself three things, what would you tell you and why? When I was a teenager, I would always get really annoyed when my mom would ask me to help in the yard <laughs> because I just thought I, you know, I had better things to do. So I wish I had paid more attention to the times when she was asking me to help with things in the garden because then I would have a better base of knowledge for my job now. Yeah. Number two is you really don't know where your life is going to lead. I never thought I was going to live in the city of Philadelphia, and I never thought I would be working in the type of job that I work at. Um, So I think for me, it was just that I followed my passions and I followed what made me happy, even if it wasn't what I had necessarily thought I was going to be doing or had prepared to do in my life. Third thing to teenage him. Hmm. Ended up where I am is you have to be willing to talk to people and really listen and just realize that you have things to learn from all sorts of different people. Just getting to meet people from all over Philadelphia that work with all these wonderful organizations that, you know, I never would have encountered any other way has been really cool and really awesome just to be able to keep learning and meeting new people and talking about what I love. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So how can we get a hold of the Philadelphia Orchard Project? Where can we find you? How can we volunteer? How can we donate? Everything is on our website, phillyorchards.org. We are on Instagram. We're at, at phillyorchards on Instagram. Our, all of our volunteer events are on our website and we're updating it all the time. So there's we're, we're always... It's especially if you like weeding, there's always an opportunity to get involved. <laughs> um, that's my grandma. I think that's every grandma's go-to thing for, for the kids that or pick up twigs. Yeah, and just that there's information on our website about how to donate. Um, there's, you know, if you know of someone that has some, you know, maybe they have some garden tools they don't use, we accept in-kind donations. Cool. Yeah, and we're definitely going to start putting your events on our volunteer calendars. Cool. So I want to... Sh- 
send love your way for the amazing work you're doing for the city of Philadelphia. Not only are you making it more beautiful, but you're also feeding people in need. You're connecting people in the community that might never have met before at all to feed the less fortunate and to make the city more beautiful. And I really appreciate all the work that you're doing and how committed you are for the last 12 years since the beginning. <laughs> still be here. It definitely, it's definitely inspiring. Yeah, and I, I mean, what what you're doing, Try, I think not everyone has even thinks about going out and volunteering in the community. So I think exposing teenagers to the idea of volunteering and doing something where you're not necessarily getting something back. You're not getting a check, but you're getting a feeling of satisfaction and you're, you feel what it, it is to, to give something yes. away. So I think that's really important Thank and meaningful you. too. Thank you. So one last question that we ask everyone, what is your definition of love? Warmth and happiness and acceptance and togetherness. Awesome. That sounds like I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) You know. I don't know. How much do people's definitions of love differ? Oh, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I always get that, oh, man. Yeah. That's constant. Yeah. I never thought about what is my definition of love. Thank you. I appreciate you. This is called Just My Thoughts, where we tie in an educational philosophy based on the episode you just heard. So when Kim was talking about the three things she would tell her teenage self, I really loved her third thing she would tell her teenage self, which was to really listen to people when they talk. I believe she said, talk to people and really listen because you have things to learn from different people. Listening is such a hard skill to master for all of us, especially in the technological age for my students, where your attention is constantly shifting or multitasking is the norm. Unfortunately, what I've found in the classroom is most students are not listening to what you're saying. Instead, they're thinking of a response as you're talking to them. As we all know, that's not listening. I'm still guilty of it myself, especially when I meet new people. It's one of the reasons why I have such a hard time remembering names. As we're meeting, we're thinking of what to say next to the person as they're telling us their name, and then you forget what their name is. The technique I actually teach to students to help them to learn how to listen is to rearrange the letters in the word listen. When you do rearrange the words, you actually find out that it also can spell silent. So I always constantly tell my students that if you can have a silent mind and you can have a silent mouth, you'll be able to listen much better. I also tell them that's why we have two ears instead of one mouth because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. So thank you so much for joining us this week. We would appreciate it if you shared our episode with friends. We're always looking for feedback. So rating us or leaving a comment would mean the world to us. We're looking forward to spreading more love next week. Peace. Thank you.